Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon, and we love talking about baseball. So we're heading into the final 10 or so games of the 2020 baseball season, and, you know, perhaps to some people's surprise, we're actually, looks like we're going to get through the entire thing. But, you know, as we're getting down into the final days here, it's kind of interesting as we have a chance to see what we, we might not have seen for quite some time now and having a team make a really great stretch run to make it into the postseason. Right. And with, with only 10 or so games to play, that's about the limit, maybe a little less than that. When you can have a great stretch run, you got to go eight and two or nine and one or some, something that allows you to come from unexpected to to win the division and make the play or make the playoffs. Yeah, we were we were kind of talking about it beforehand. And I think at least I was coming up with the idea of like being about like six games. You need to have more than six games just because the average series in baseball is three games, right, during the regular season. So if, if you have a greater than six-game lead, that means you have to have more than two consecutive series of bad play in order or, – or great play in order to have a stretch run. So it's not like, oh – you were down two games going into the final series and you swept them. Like, that's not a great stretch run. And, and a stretch run to me, and, and, and be interested in how you feel about this, really is more about winning not only your division to getting into the players, but you've got to go to make it to the, and win the World Series. That's a stretch run that would be memorable in your team's history. I think for it to be in the echelons of the greatest stretch runs, it needs to lead to something more than just making the playoffs. I think you got to go all the way. I think, but I think you there could still be a great stretch run that wasn't necessarily because it's like that's the thing. The stretch run in of itself has nothing to do with what you do in the playoffs. So if you came back, if you were twenty five games out in mid July and you somehow made that up. That's still a great stretch run, even if you get swept out of the first round of the playoffs. Uh, I don't think it, but it won't have. I think the historic ones are, are both. Are both. Ag- agreed. Historic ones are both. So um, we're going to go through some different ones that um, in history are uh, are quite memorable. Um, the, the earliest one uh, is maybe not memorable because it happened in 1914. Uh, and that was what were referred to for years later as the Miracle Braves of 1914. These Braves played in Boston. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty wild. They went 4-18 to start the season. They weren't expected to do anything. Yeah, and then they're 26 and 40 in like mid in like early July, right? And then they went 68 and 19 the rest 68 and 19. That's like almost 50 games over 500. That's a that's a wild wild record. And, and you would they won the pennant over the Giants by 10 games. By 10 games. Think about it. They were 26 and 40 and they won the pennant by 10 games. That's insane. So what the Braves did is they made it to the World Series. And when they got to the World Series, they faced a very powerful A's team managed by Connie Mack. The A's had won three of the prior four World Series in 1910, 1911, and 1913. Uh, And the Braves went in and they beat the A's. They didn't just beat them. They swept them. That was the first sweep in World Series history. So I think that's a big... Like that, that certainly in terms of a stretch run, just because you have every aspect of it, you had excellence over an incredible period of time. And like, I just, how does something like that happen? How does the team just like, oh, wait, we actually are good. Yeah, you know, uh, we we talked about uh, our Silver Sluggers uh, episode where we had the New York Knights in the fictional, uh, you know, Robert Redford movie, The Natural, and and the New York Knights came from way behind and they were making a stretch run to make the playoffs, and so that was sort of the whole thing was you know the writing about it and the nineteen fourteen Braves, I'm sure because it was only newspapers at the time, mm-hmm. you know, had that same kind of energy and the writing you know in the papers about you know this amazing comeback and actually in that World Series the Red Sox allowed. 
allowed the Braves to play in Fenway Park, which had only opened in 1912. And they played two of the World Series games. Uh, in the brand new Fenway in, in, Stadium. In, in the somewhat new, because the, where the Braves played was not so nice. <laughs> so, so, uh, but then we had to wait quite a while before we saw another really, in terms of historic stretch run. And how historic, you know, it it would end up being because the 1948 Indians, of who you are speaking, mm-hmm. um, haven't won a World Series since. So those 48 Indians went 19 and five down the stretch. That's a stretch run. Yeah, that's a stretch run. And so they earned. Now the, the impressive thing is that they didn't even get them necessarily into the the, the World Series. They had to play a one game playoff against Boston and win to it. win the pennant, right. and, which they did. And then they went on to win the World Series against the Boston Braves. So they just really took out the entire city of Boston in that postseason. (laughs) And Boston hadn't been in the World Series, the Braves, since 1914. So that's interesting. So it's it's kind of interesting that you would have those two teams linked by those stretch runs. And we've talked about the 1920 Indians and that weird season uh, with Ray Chapman getting killed. Where the guy got They won the World Series and hadn't been back to the World Series since 1920 and hadn't won it since 1920. It's really interesting. You know, just have all of those kind of different storylines converging again in the 48 World Series. Uh, A few years later, six years later in 1954, the Indians would win 111 games, but they did not uh, have a great stretch run and they didn't even win the World Series. That Mm -hmm. was the Willie Mays famous catch Ah. and and the Giants won that 54 World Series. Well, speaking of the Giants, they are actually owners of the next great stretch run and obviously one of the more famous ones of all time in 1951 because of Bobby Thompson's home run in game three. Uh, that sent them to the World Series. So, I mean, it's it's pretty cool, though, when you think about it, because here's this team. They were down 13 games on August 11th. Well, so. and, and not just down, they were down to the hated rival Brooklyn Dodgers. Which is, I mean, it's one thing, it's like any time you can get a stretch run against your, your, you know, divisional rival just makes it that much better. And they certainly won on one because they went 37 and 7 over their last 44 games. But all that got you in 1951 was a three-game playoff, and I think that's interesting compared to 1948. Where it was just a single-game playoff. But honestly, I think a best-of-three playoff makes... If you're going straight to the World Series, if it's just pennant to World Series, I think it should be a three-game playoff because it would feel really bad to have your entire regular season campaign essentially be decided by a single game. Uh, but they did in 1948, and yeah. here, they finally changed it. Of course, this is 18 wonder, years I, before divisional play. Granted, I wonder if what happened in 48 led them to making that rule change where they kind of looked at it and said it doesn't make sense for this just to be one game. And it's pretty much a rarity to have teams finish in a flat-footed tie and have a playoff. Exactly. So I, I kind of think at the time that was, you're right, that was appropriate to have three games and uh, what a three-game series it was and and Ralph Branca who gave up the fabled home run uh, to Bobby Thompson in that series, you know, he and Bobby traveled around together for years uh, after after that happened and Branca, you know, every time he talks about that he gives up the damn home run. I felt so bad for the guy that he had to be the guy yeah i'm the guy that threw the gopher ball and and for years after that they talked about the fact that uh, the giants were getting the signs and see this is going back into 1951 from center field yeah uh, and, and then thompson knew what was coming so i had it but uh, yeah, that was uh, epic. And beating the Dodgers, you know, probably the sweetest thing of all. And Rush Hodges' call, the Giants win the pennant, obviously one of the most famous of all time. All time. So uh, the uh, uh, one that I heard about, and, and I, I didn't see it because I was a little kid when it happened, uh, and, and the manager of these the Phillies in 1964 who lost to the streaking Cardinals, uh, Gene Mock, you know, probably carried that around his head for the rest of his career that they blew a six and a half game lead with 13 games. 
games that the Cardinals, however, really had a stretch run of their own. But but I think that kind of ties into it and in that it's almost impossible to have a stretch run without having a collapse on the other side. Like it can't happen in a, like maybe sometimes it can, but a lot of the time it's like if one team was playing really well where you would need a stretch run to catch up to them, you kind of need them to start playing not so well so you actually have a chance to catch up to them. It's got to come at some team's expense, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't it's very hard for you to just surge past another team if they're still playing well. So, you know, late in the season, the Cardinals sweep the Phillies. Okay, so coming from behind, sweeping your Phillies in an eight-game winning streak, that is, you know, really something special. But it wasn't – it just didn't end there. That stretch run continued. Well, yeah, then they were able to go and beat the Yankees in the the World Series. That's the key. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's what we said at the beginning of this is that, you know, you can have the stretch run. You make it to the playoffs. If you want to be a historic team, you Mm got to go all the way. You want to be remembered. Rather than just being a footnote of, oh, yeah, they had a really, especially now with divisional play, I think that makes it even harder. Because before, theoretically, you could have an incredible stretch run, and that made you the, got you into the World Series and a chance to play for the title. And if you had an amazing stretch run and then lost to a really good team in the World Series, I don't think that's quite the same, you know, detracting detraction against you as it would be like, oh, you lost to the first round of the divisional playoffs. Well, and this is, again, the 64 Cardinals and this next team um, still, you know, before divisional play takes place. So winning the pennant meant everything. Well, yeah, and it's just impressive that you'd have stretch runs like this in back-to-back years because the next year after the 64 Cardinals, you had the 65 Dodgers. Right, and 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 if we talked about it in another episode where uh, Johnny Roseborough, um, you know, ended up getting hit in the head with a bat by Juan Marichal of the Giants, that was that season, actually. Well, that was a wild season. Koufax threw a perfect game. You had a, the fight with Marichal. But, you know, I think that makes it easy that for people to forget that on September 16th. So, like, you're talking, like, maybe what, like, a week, a Come, week and right, a half right, left? A week less. or maybe a little bit more. That's all. In that the time. season, they were four and a half games back. And then they won 13 in a row to win the pennant. Yeah, and, and Drysdale and Koufax got seven of those 13 wins. Talk about a yeah. couple of pitchers. And they clinched the pennant. Koufax throw, throws a four-hitter with 13 strikeouts. Like, that's just, and that's why he's remembered and talked about in such a way, even though it's, he actually did not play that many years. No, no, he was, he retired shortly after this uh, World Series, as a matter of fact. I, I think it might even be the next season. Uh, the Dodgers beat the Twins in the World Series, who were a somewhat new team, having just moved to Minnesota from Washington. Uh, and Koufax threw a three hit shutout with 10 Ks and game seven on two days rest. That and that's why people call him the goat. Like, I mean, that's why he's. That's why they two call him days the goat. rest, a complete game. I mean, who who does that? Yeah, exactly. That's just being impressive. So now we're going to come into to, to two of them that um you know and and I I, I we should have done an entire episode just on these two because we just know everything well, about and, them and they, they go together a little bit. Um, one of them actually doesn't get shouldn't get the same credit, and 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 we'll talk about them because they didn't win the World Series. They lost in Game Seven of the World Series, and, and you have to so win. So maybe for we'll, it to be maybe great. we'll call this a little Homer bias, but it's more of an example of you can have a great stretch run. Without necessarily winning the World Series. So the the 1969 New York Mets, uh, called the Miracle Mets, like we mentioned, the Miracle Braves, um, you know, they were an expansion team seven years later. First year of divisional play. So all of a sudden, you've got a whole rearrangement, and, and the Mets, uh, you know, have staged a great comeback uh, and at the expense of another team that, uh, you know, we will talk about. Yes, but it's just that Miracle Mets team, I think... It's not the the miracle was not just the stretch run, even though it was impressive. It was that 
They had been the worst team in baseball pretty much every single year of their existence. They finished every year. They finished last except for one. They finished ninth. (laughs) So for them to go from just the absolute basement of the National League to winning it and then winning the World Series, they won the division by eight games. And, and, you know, led, led by my hero and, and, and just recently passed away, Tom Seaver, he changed, that's why he was called the franchise. He changed the whole feeling of that franchise because they actually believed themselves that they could win. And their pitching was awesome that year. Um, and they won a hundred games. They won a hundred games, but not only did they win their division, they won the world series, right? They won the playoff, the first divisional playoff ever. Mm -hmm. They beat the Atlanta Braves. Oh, how sweet that was. Uh, and then they won the world series against the powerful Baltimore Orioles. Yeah. They were able to surge on September 10th. They were able to pass the Cubs to take the lead. And then what really you were talking about that pitching. Two days later, September 12th, they turn a pair of one nothing wins in a doubleheader where their starting pitchers, Jerry Kuzman and Don Carwell, combined for 17 shutout innings. I remember that. Two one nothing games. That was crazy. And that's just, I mean... Yeah, it was it was a time where magical they, for those men, and, and they were they were the miracle mess because you know they were winning and they hadn't won before, but to get all the way to the World Series and somehow beat the Orioles, who had you know great pitching, great hitting, and were a powerhouse team. In fact, the Orioles won the World Series in 1970. The next year, they were just a great team that made it a miracle uh, that just could never you know be repeated. Um, but four years later, they almost did. They almost did, and and what that team, the 1973 Mets, did, uh, it was just it was. That was not a stretch run. That was a collapse of you know of, of all the teams playing lousy and the Mets just being the team that the was left standing. The recipient of the poor players. Yeah, yeah. It was not that they were that great a team. They did win the Mets 24 of their last 33 uh, after being in last place on August 30th. To, to think they come from last place and win a division with the worst record ever in the history of divisional play for a division winner, 82 and 79. Yeah, which to me, that almost, before you even say that they didn't win the World Series that year, the fact that they were only 82 and 79 kind of devalues how great of a stretch run it was. They didn't even have to play the extra game, right? They you were barely hard- above a 500 team, and the only reason you really got there is because everybody else just stunk it up around you. But they beat the Reds in the playoffs, and the Reds were on the way to becoming the big red machine. This is 1973, so just a few years before that. Uh, and they played uh, the Oakland A's in the World Series, Series, um, and that was in the middle of the A's three-year run, 72 mm-hmm. through 74, and the A's beat the Mets in seven games. Somehow the Mets got to seven games, but it wasn't enough, and that is why that is not one of the great stretch yeah, runs. Man, despite going, you know, 24 and nine over their last 33, you kind of got to put it over, the, you know, take it over the edge in order to really be remembered, especially when you're not going to finish with that impressive of a record. Virtually every team in the division that year, the Cubs, the Cardinals, you know, had a, were in first place at some point and collapsed, and, 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 but they all gave it up, so it was a total choke job. Yep. Then, you know, we had a, a little bit of a break, you know, another five years before we got another one in New York City again. Yeah, and, and this one uh, was historic because the two teams, the Yankees and the Red Sox, you know, had that storied history. And uh, and, the, and the Red Sox are still trying to erase in 1978 the, the curse of the Bambino, having, you know, not won a World Series since 1918. Unfortunately, uh, this was not going to be the year for them because... The Yankees in their final 73 games went 52 and 21, which is pretty good, while the Red Sox went 38 and 35. So that's not a collapse. It's on not the a Red collapse, Sox. you know, but that was just the Yankees playing so incredibly well. And the backbreaker was a four game sweep in Boston. And the Yankees outscored them that series 42 to 9. 
Now, if you ask a Red Sox fan, actually, when we you know when we talk about it, it really was a collapse because the the Red Sox had a fourteen game lead on the Yankees on July nineteenth. <laughs> so the Yankees. The, the thing is, is that the thing is that's not the greatest regular season collapse of all time. So while the Red Sox don't have to unfortunately wear that crown, they did get to hang the crown. And we're going to talk about it later of the greatest postseason collapse yeah, of all that, time that, that, on that the Yankees, true. and I'm sure they will take that each time. But Bucky Dent, uh, I, I think he's known as Bucky Frickin' Dent in Boston <laughs> still to this day. You know, that, it's a bit, a bit more colorful, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm this is you know that kind of a show. We're not going there. Um, and and the Yankees, uh, you know, sort of wore that for a long time and the Red Sox wore it as well until they finally turned that around. So there are uh, 24 years between the end of the Yankees uh, Red Sox before the next great stretch run. And the first of those uh, in 2002, the Angels, I don't know if it was an amazing stretch run, but the Angels did you know, have a great finish and go on to win the I mean, World Series. They went Series. eighteen and nine over the last twenty-seven games. Like, I mean, you're going, you know, sixty-six percent, sixty winning percentage over those. It's pretty good. Yes, yes, and and they beat the Yankees. So in, in the playoffs, uh, you know, um, and then they beat the Twins in the championship series, and then they went to the Giants and beat them too. So they beat everybody. And that was the Rally Monkey Angels. If you, uh, yeah, uh, that was Adam Kennedy's three run home run three, game. Uh, didn't he have three homers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and it was like the like the probably most he had hit an entire season up until that point. Like the guy was not a home run hitter, and then he hits three in one game in the postseason. And and the Angels hadn't been to the playoffs since 1986, and they haven't won the World Series since. And to my knowledge, they haven't really made the playoffs uh, that I can think of poor mike trout <sighs> yeah you're just watching him languish away and in, in that yeah so uh, and, uh the, the angels and the rally monkey you know had a had a great comeback uh to to win the division but the fact that they got away to the world series makes that sort of exactly that's what helps elevate it because then what's, what's interesting is now you have a like we had what 24 years right. between the 78 the yankees and then the 2002 angels but then the following up the angels the next year you have the marlins right and, and the, then marlins the marlins had already won the world series in 97 yes but that was not a stretch run right. while still very impressive given their relative uh yeah, newness four of the years franchises. In the league. Yeah, but then you know six years later in 2003 here come the marlins again and yeah. after ten, they're 10 games under 500 in may and then they somehow climb all the way back up and make the postseason by going 18 and 8 in September, managing to just get by the Phillies for the wild card spot. And then they went 42 and 25 after the All Star break. So they had to play great down the stretch. And, and they had a manager change in midseason. And uh, he was known as Trader Jack when he was a, 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 a general manager, but he is the manager of these, you know, an older guy who came back to manage the team after he had been in administration. And Jack McKeon, you know, ended up being a big part of the replacing of Jeff Torborg and taking the, uh, the Marlins to the World Series. And I think it's just, it's interesting because. That was a Mar- – the Marlins then took that team and made an incredible comeback, ran all the way through, and then completely got rid of everybody the next year and just sold off the team. Yeah, that's kind of the way they do it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they might, and although this year, uh, the Marlins are are in it and they might make the playoffs. And if they somehow got all the way and, and won the World Series, it would be amazing because nobody gave them a chance at all. And they don't have any high-priced players, so it, they wouldn't have anybody to get rid of this year. Mm-hmm. And then so, you know, it, it was an impressive thing and they had Josh Beckett. 
on there who was fantastic, won an MVP for uh, the World Series MVP, and had a 2.08 ERA in his September starts. And he had five of them, so he was big for them down the stretch. I just remember that team getting lots of big hits and just the right pitching at the right time and well-managed, and they, they, they just shocked the hell out of everybody that they were able to win. Now, I don't think Josh Beckett went and played for the Red Sox the next season, but he did end up on a World Series team with, think, with the Red yeah, Sox. I think that was I think, the second World that Series. That was second. But that next year in 2004, so now we're up to three. We're back-to-back-to-back stretch-run World Series winners. We get one of the most impressive ones of all time, I think, just because this was a stretch-run through and through. So you got Theo Epstein, who's then in Boston and uh, shaking things up. And, but they're a 500 team. Uh, On for, July 30, they played 500 ball from May 1st to July 31st. So they're not a great team going into, you know, August. And then he trades Noma Garcia Parra, right, who was, you know, very well thought of in Boston and also hated in Boston at the same time as everything goes in Boston mm-hmm. um, for two players, Orlando Cabrera, Cabrera, I should say, and Doug Mankiewicz. And he then also went out and got now current Dodgers manager Dave Roberts from the Dodgers. And those guys went together from August 7th after they got Dave Roberts. Uh, they went 40 and 15. Yeah, that's a stretch run. Yeah. And then in the, the, the crazy thing is, and then they went 11 and 3 in the postseason, won the World Series. But uh, the three those three lost. losses <laughs> might have been uh, the first three games to the Yankees. Yeah. And then they break the Yankees' backs by winning four in a row, becoming the first team in postseason history to come back from a 3-0 deficit. So not only did they have the stretch run, they had like a mini stretch run inside the playoffs, when you think about it. I, I remember being uh, on a trip in New Orleans and, and watching the game on TV, and everybody was going crazy when the Red Sox won. And there were a lot of New Yorkers at this uh, at this thing I was at, but it was it was such a— You were a, watching a, history. Yeah, you were watching, you, you kind of knew, oh man, they're going to do this, and I'm watching something special. But they still had to go and win the World Series, uh, and the Red Sox were able to do that uh and 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 erase the curse of the bambino Mm -hmm. so they you know kind of did it twice right they first they beat the yankees and then they win the world series to do that now i think this last one is interesting because i think they're they're borderline in terms of the length of the run i mean in two so so now you have four consecutive years because the 05 white Sox also put together i guess what you could call a stretch run and that they were they they closed September with an eight and two record, but they won their last five games going into the postseason, and that included a divi- they can clinch the AL Central by with a uh, win over Detroit, and then a three game sweep of the Indians that knocked them from the playoffs, which prevented Cleveland from having a stretch run of their own to make it in because they had gone they had cut a fifteen game deficit to a game and a half when they went into that series against the White Sox. But the White Sox held on going on a 19 to 3 19 and 3 run through the World Series to win the World Series in 05. And and you think about it and it's hard to believe it's only 15 years ago when you, when you say that, you know, the Cleveland at that point were still trying to win his first World Series in 1948, but that doesn't compare to the White Sox. The White Sox hadn't won a World Series since 1917 because they lost on purpose, some people said, the 1919 World Series to the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, and, and so they had that tremendously long streak of, you know, what, uh, 85 years or, uh, what is it, you know, 80, uh, yeah, yeah, 80, 87 years. Yeah, so you had a long time to wait if you were a White Sox fan. And I think it's just, I think this is probably one of the more borderline to me ones for me because it's hard to have a stretch run when you were in the lead. Like, <laughs> you got... Yeah. Yeah, and it's only like eight and two, and they won their last five. Okay, so it's sort of like you didn't choke. Yeah, you didn't, <laughs> but I think that's a part of it. You ha- There are so many examples of just 
unbelievable choke jobs in the major leagues and and how those come to be is always interesting and i think that the weight of history like if you're the white Sox and you're in 2005 you haven't won a world series since 1917 you know and you've got to le- yeah right god, oh god we can't blow this we can't blow this and i think by holding on we don't want to reg- turn to the cubs i think them being able to hold on through the regular season and stave off those charges is what then let them be really good in the playoffs and win that World Series. That the holding on and completing that season, I think, uh, I, I think if they had stumbled into the playoffs and only got through because the teams around them had fallen down, I don't think they win the World Series. But you know, the Indians that year had had cut that fifteen yard, fifteen game deficit, you know, down to one and a half games, and the Indians had a pretty good run of themselves. And, but it and, wasn't and they enough. were playing for history. It wasn't enough. But it wasn't it enough. was almost a great run. So, tell me what 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 happens when a team goes on a run. Right. And they, you know, they're making a comeback and you can kind of feel it in the clubhouse. What's what's that? What do you think that's like for them? For the team that's playing well? Yeah, the team that's really like. I think it depends on the team. Some teams it's just like you could just have your pitching staff. Right. And you go out there, you go to the ballpark every day knowing they're not going to score. We, we all we have to do is get a run across and we're going to win this game. And you know, no matter what, you're going to be in every game because they're just not going to get to hit against you. And then it also works the other way. You could go to the ballpark every day being like. It doesn't matter what what our pitcher does today. We, we could hit anybody. We're hitting everybody, and that offense is just crazy. It's crazy. a matter of time. We're gonna right. We're right. gonna and, and even if it and that that belief going into every game, you're not gonna mentally quit games at points. You're not gonna and and that's how it happens when you're in the collapse. When you're in the collapse, you have that game where you go down three nothing early on. And when you're streaking, you go into the playoffs, you're like, we got this. We're going to win this game. We're going to keep scoring. We're, we're not done yet. But when you're in that midst of that collapse, you're just like, here it goes again. And depending on who you're playing, right, if it's late in the season, uh, your your opponents may be out of it, you know, totally out of it. And so they have the chance to play spoiler. And, and teams will be motivated by that, especially if there's a rival. So in those spoiler type games, now, it's not the kind of thing where the team consciously goes into the game thinking, oh, we're going to be the spoiler. It's, it doesn't really work like that. I think in my mind more, it's just like, you wake up a team that's been asleep because they're not in the postseason race. They're thinking about going and playing golf as soon as the season's done. But they're there at the ballpark that day. And then they get up on you. And they're thinking, well, now we can ruin these guys' day oh, by winning this yes. game. Yes. And that and that's how it happens. I think the Dodgers and the Giants seem to play end-of-season series against each other quite frequently for that very reason that it creates that kind of extra drama if, in fact, something's at stake mm-hmm. and one of the two teams can affect the other two teams' and that, chances. The, yeah, the, and now, the flip side of that game is those you also have those series where like the Dodgers are trying to make the postseason and the Giants are way out of it, let's say. And you might have a series where... The Dodgers just get up on them early each game in the series, and their pitchers look good. And the Giants could just go in the tank for those three games because they're like, oh, you know what? We're already losing. Why are we going to kill ourselves trying to win a meaningless game here? Yeah, yeah, but you know the, the stretch runs uh, normally in you know include uh, some some wins against your rival. You know that that, that well, really- it's a stretch runs. It's very helpful to get big wins against your de- rivals now that you're in divisional play because right. and the rival may not some, be in it though. The oh rival- yeah, but it's going to be value because you're you're something you're directly competing against for that. So, uh, you know, we, we talk about that, that, you know, there's stress runs in teams that make it. And a lot of times that comes at the expense. And we're going to talk about uh, what are some of the great. Who are the victims of these, some of these stretch runs? Because a lot of times, like they always say, there's for behind every great man, there's a great woman. Behind every great stretch run, a lot of times there's a great collapse. And by the way, you can choke to lose a division crown. You can choke to lose a playoff series. But mainly, if you don't make the playoffs a lot of times, that's the 
choke. It's hard to have. You can't have. A, well, that's a choke. A collapse right. is different. A collapse. I think you almost have to not make the playoffs. I don't see how you have a collapse and make the playoffs. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I kind of look at them interchangeably for mm. the most part. You, yeah. you didn't make it. It didn't work out. And and you're going home when you thought you weren't. And there are some pretty epic collapses in the history. Some of which have to do with the uh-huh. the, the teams that we have already described. I don't we'll like thinking about, about those years. Those are painful years. Yeah. Uh, We're gonna get to it though. We're gonna talk about yeah. it. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at AlmostCoop.